Uh, but we'll talk about that toward the end of service. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Jeremiah 29 11. Book of Jeremiah, verse 11. Y'all, we, we talked about this last week. We're going to talk about it a little more this week. I honestly am going to go ahead and tell you that I am not ministering long today. My plan is not to minister long today. Uh, I do have just a few things I need to say. But we're in the second part of our series, Prison Break. And, and I want to read a few things to you and, and try to get you to understand. I, the older I get, the more I realize there's more in my life that I have been liberated from and more I need to be liberated from. Amen. There's never that place where you land and everything's perfect. But the one thing I am learning, and we talked about this last week, is that you can be better and never be free. So what we want to do is we want to make that last step. We may be better, but we want to make that leap into being free. Amen. So we want to get there. So Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil. Somebody Say that out loud. Say, not of evil. Stop right there. Most Christians are stuck in this mode to where something has happened in their life and they somehow, way, believe that God has caused this to make them better. And that is not at all true. This word is very clear. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. It's very clear that God has not set out to wreck your car. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, look, I'm not saying that there aren't things that happen. I've, I've had situations in my life where, where um, things have happened and, and the car, you had to jump the car off and the battery was dead and all these kind of things. And, and come to find out there was, uh, you know, there were some things that happened on the interstate that I was on that I wasn't I'm caught up in. I'm, I'm not saying those things. I don't believe in coincidence, but I don't believe God killed my battery either. You know what I'm saying? I believe that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, not just called. Because a lot of people are called and don't do nothing. But then if you're called and chasing purpose, God has an obligation to work things out for your favor, right? Hey, okay, y'all going to make me work. That's all right. Y'all know I can't. Listen, I got 10 kids. I know how to spoon feed. You might as well get ready. Because the truth is, it, we, we can't get to other levels. We can't move to freedom just by expecting to be better and staying there. Last week, we talked about invisible cages that we put around ourselves. We talked about the lion and, and how there's aspects of a lion that, that God sees you as. And if he can get you caged, those things begin to happen. When you cage a lion, the first they, they stop losing their they, they lose their territory. Uh, they lose the place that they're supposed to have complete dominion. Then the second thing is they lose their eyesight. Their eyesight is so strong they can see in the dark places. They, they then they begin to lose their passion to pursue. And when you lose your passion to pursue, you've lost everything. So what you got to do is you got to understand the enemy has an opportunity to try to do something, but you have an opportunity not to participate. You do realize you have a choice in participating with the enemy. So we want to talk about that just a little bit today. Now go to, um, let me move on down. I, I want to try to, to move really, really, really fast. Uh, go to Ezekiel chapter 19. Now, now these are a lot of the same scriptures we talked about last week, but we have to understand that these things have to be put into us, okay? Ezekiel 19 verse 5. Ezekiel 19, verse 5. Now, when she saw uh, that she had waited and her hope was lost, she took another of her whelps or, or, or cubs and made him a young lion. 
And he went up and down among the lions, and he became a young lion. And he learned to catch the prey, and he devoured men, and he knew their desolate places. And he laid waste to their cities. He did everything he was designed to do. And the land was desolate, and fullness thereof by the noise of his roaring. Which means anything that would try to come against him just by the noise of his voice, it couldn't come against Because they, okay, he's in charge. Y'all see that, right? All right, verse 8. Then the nations set against him on every side. They decided they were tired of being under his feet. Uh, They set against him on every side of the provinces. They spread their net over him. He was taken into their pit, verse 9. And they put him in a ward in chains. And they brought him to the king of Babylon. They brought him into holds. Hear this. That his voice should be no more heard in the mountains of Israel. When you have no effort to use your voice... And your voice is not heard. Your life can't line up to what the word says. It will line up to what you say. But it can't line up to what the word says. Now April was in the team meeting earlier today. And she was talking about perfect love casts out all fear. And and let's, let's deal with that for just a minute. Because do you really know what makes a lion a lion is a lion knows who a lion is. Right? And my uh. One of my favorite movies, my most absolute favorite movie, and it's not an action flick. It's not anything like that. It's a movie called Secondhand Lions. Has anybody ever seen Secondhand Lions? If you hadn't seen Secondhand Lions, you need to go watch Secondhand Lions. It's a movie about two old guys. Of course, it's an old guy, and his name's Robert Duvall. He's in every movie with an old guy. Robert Duvall's in it. And it's two brothers, and it goes through their life, and it shows how they were, you know, they, they crossed the sands of Arabia, and they fought princes. And, and ultimately what it comes down to is they stole a bunch of gold from this guy. And they had it stored in their barn. And so they would, and then this, this, their niece shows up one day and drops a kid off and just leaves it. She's not a real good mom. She just leaves and takes off. So this kid talks them into, you got all this money, let's buy something. So this salesman would come through, and, and they would just buy stupid stuff. Well, then they got, they got to feeling old, and they decided, man, we're going to go on safari. we got all this property, we're gonna, and they bought a lion. And when they opened the crate of the lion, they put the gun in there like they were going to kill this lion. It's just laying there burping, just old, raggedy lion, secondhand lion. It's wore out. Life's over for it. So, so throughout the movie, this is halfway through the movie when this happens, so throughout the movie, this kid is going out here and feeding this lion and, and, and trying to befriend. Just, you know, she's not going to attack. Uh, so he's, he's, he's still being cautious because it's still a lion, right? So they, we go through this whole movie, and, and you just see the scene of this lion sitting out here, just not wanting to move. And then you go through all this different stuff. And then you get to this point at the end where this, the, the mom has come back with a boyfriend, and he's extremely abusive. And he's knocking this kid around. And somehow in the mix, the lion had gotten free. It's a whole story we're not going to get into. But the lion was actually in the cornfield just kind of making its bed. And so all of a sudden, this guy's out here smacking this kid around. Well, this is the kid that's been feeding this lion. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes this lion with this roar that shakes the entire house. And he attacks this guy. And he gets the guy off the kid, and he, he hurt the, the lion hurts the guy enough that the guy's not going to hurt the kid anymore, and then the lion falls over dead. Before a split second, it was a lion again. So inside there was everything it needed to be what it was supposed to be. It just had to have the right pursuit, the right passion, and the right direction to get it going. 
And what we have to understand is that when we live in this world in Ezekiel where the enemy has silenced our voice, he's not silenced our voice. I want to make something real clear. He has not silenced our voice because he's a big devil fighting a big God. The battle is over. Amen? The, the disciples go out and they cast demons out and they come back and they said to Jesus, Man, it's just like you told us, at your word, when we mentioned your name, the demons came out. And Jesus answered them and said these words. Don't be so impressed with that. I remember the devil like lightning. He fell and then moves on. You need to worship the Lord. That's what you're supposed to do. Jesus himself dismissed the power of the enemy in one breath, which is what he expects from you. Now, I'm not saying you're not dealing with, with, with an enemy, okay? I'm not saying you're not dealing with problems, issues, and stuff like that. However, what I am saying is you don't know you're a lion. You don't know what you have in you. You don't realize that you have in you the things to make things work the right way. But you also have inside of you things that will stop where you're going. Now, what you have to understand is this. I, uh, I want to tell you real clear is when you live a life focused on you and what you think and what you want and what you desire and you don't spend your life on what he wants in your life, you can't get mad at him when you have what you want or what you think you want and then it shows up and it's not quite as shiny or as pretty as you thought it was. See, that's what we tell, we tell all the, the Canaan Land graduates we're going to be telling the Becoming Center men and we tell all these young guys... It is not dope, alcohol, drugs, or anything like that that gets you. It's the perfume of a woman. <laughs> That's what will get you. Now, women, I don't know about y'all because I ain't one. But as far as men go, we stupid. <laughs> Just act dumb. You go in there, you see a head of a deer on somebody's wall. That was a deer that chased a woman and acted dumb. <laughs> that is what's going to happen to you. If you don't find the one God has for you, because I'm going to tell you, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing, not he who finds a Friday night. Y'all better wake up. You, you, I'm telling you, it's a, I, listen, I love that woman more than a man can love a woman, but even when it's perfect, it's hard. There are days, there are days she wants to punch me right in my left eye. I'm so glad she's not tall enough to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go over here. <laughs> so, I want to sh- talk to you about something. This lion, when they opened this box and this lion was a shell of its former self, it, it had lived its life the best it knew how until it was captured, and then it was captured, it was used up. But even on its worst day, it was still a lion. Even on your worst day, you are God's creation. Even on your worst day, you are created in the image and likeness of who he is. Even on your worst day, you still have the right, the authority, and even the moment to say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't see things this way. I shouldn't act this way. I shouldn't be this way. I repent. I move forward. And at that moment, God's obligated to be strong in your life right then. But we can't keep blaming God for things that we put ourselves into. I, 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 it amazes me. It amazes me that uh, April goes into the jails, and she was in she was in the county jail, and she was preaching to these women. And one of the ladies came up to her and said, "Well, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, and if I'm telling it wrong, correct me." 
I have no doubt that you will. But the thing is, no, I don't mean that facetiously. She, it's her story. It's not my story. But she, she was asking, she said she was going down south to, to prison, right? And she said she was wondering if that was God's will for her life to go to prison. Those were her, were her, that was her exact words, right? She was, that, was, that must be God's will for her life to go to prison. That's a, come on now. I mean, you've got to be a good theologian to screw that up. There's no way that that's God's will for your life. That may be your, what you did and what you caused, and now you have to live in earthly ramifications for what you and your attitude and your problems and your issues caused. But that's not God's will for your life. However, you may be in that situation and God can still use you, but that is not God's will for your life. Amen? So we have to understand that his love for us is perfect. And if his love is perfect, then his love should take out all fear. April was talking in the team meeting. This, uh, t- today is the day, and most of you may not know who this is, but today is the day that Matt Gober, who was our spiritual dad, passed away a few years ago. And for us, it's a day where it's kind of tough because all these years in ministry, we never had what we call a spiritual father. We had pastors and people that, that spoke into us, but we never had anybody take us and love us. And help us through loving us rather than just, you know, just telling us how awful we were and we're not good pastors and, and blah, blah, blah. Mac took us and loved us where we were and, and tore us apart and put us back together and made us uh, see the value of not of us as people, but of what God had called us to be. We were sitting at his house and God had sent us down there to do some things. And uh, we, we, were, we were just being a blessing to him. And we were sitting on the couch, and we weren't expecting, you know, we were just hanging out with Dad. That's what we called him, Dad. We were just hanging out with Dad. And, and uh, he, uh, he looked over at us, and he said, you know, the day's going to come very, very soon when people are just going to be driving from wherever just to, just to hang out with April and Alan and to hear what you have to say. And we're, because what people didn't know is we'd just come out of the toughest time of our life. We was ready to divorce each other six months earlier. So we're like, we love you, Mac, but you crazy. And here we are, not just a handful of years later, and we're getting phone calls from states after state after state saying, you guys are doing something there in Jasper, and you're building something that can help my child. And it never crossed our mind that we had the value to do that. See, we had had this invisible prison that told us we couldn't do these things. Now, let me just tell you, Mac was very loving, but Mac was Mac, praise the Lord. And... um, now, Ricky, when Ricky used to travel with me, Ricky, Ricky's in heaven now, but Ricky, uh, Ricky got to go in the office with me when we hang out with Mac. There was one particular time that uh, a couple of the students from Canaan had come in, and Mac was, was the founder of Canaan, and some things weren't quite right. And he, you know, Mac wasn't afraid to handle some things. And, uh, I mean, people think I'm tough. Y'all never been in Mac's office. And it was so, <laughs> listen, I was uncomfortable. It was so bad. And Ricky was trying to crawl under the table. And we got in the car. We got, and like, y'all got to understand something. Ricky had seen me at my best and my worst. We got in the car, and, and, and Ricky was driving, and Ricky throws his arm around me, and he pulls me over into his chest, and he, just, and he was taller than I was. He just held onto me, tears running down his face, and he goes, I just want to tell you something. I'm so glad you're my pastor. Because <laughs> it, was, it was rough. But you got to understand in that situation, and it came to land, and the becoming says, we're not dealing with angels. Amen. We're dealing with angelic hosts, but we're not dealing with angels. And, and you have to deal with things a certain way. So even as a lion, there's a way to handle things. But this is what I want to really get into you today, and then we're going we're gonna, to 
we're going to try to move forward. Now, I'm not going to send you to a bunch of scriptures because you know these, these stories. But Jesus, he walked into a river with John the Baptist. Now, this is, I'm just going to hit this and go, but you just listen to what I'm saying. He was baptized publicly. Okay? Pull, y'all know this. He was pulled up out of the water and a sound from heaven. Uh, y'all all know this. What, what the, he heard God say what? This is my son in whom I'm what? Well, well pleased. Right? So Jesus immediately goes 40 days into the wilderness, uh, the desert, whatever you want to call it. Now, let me explain something to you. He went in to a 40-day fast dealing with the enemy. The enemy would say, well, if you are the Son of God, won't you turn this stone into bread? If you are the Son of God, I'll give you all of these seeds. If you are, now let me just tell you all something to mess with your theological mind just a little bit. Jesus could have turned that stone into bread, and there was no law against it. He could have done it. Jesus could have said, these cities are already mine. He could, you see, he could have said, I'm Jesus. But he didn't have to because his father had already said, I'm pleased. And we've gotten into a place in the church where we're really good at talking about what we're called to do. But we're trying to prove ourselves versus just being pleasing. And what we've done is we've put ourselves in a situation where we're infecting our world with our own religion, not our relationship. Because even though we're trying to be everything God's called us to be, we're still talking about us a little too much. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Because, when, because you have such insecurities and shames and hurts, and we all have them for whatever reasons. We are all part of a deficit in this world where we don't feel like we measure up. However... When Jesus heard, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, he was able to battle the enemy face to face and never even respond except for this is what the Bible says. Amen. See, my father said, my father said, but what we gotten, we've gotten so arrogant in the church is what about this? I declare in the name of Jesus, I say. Now, let's be clear. I believe in using the name of Jesus. But what we've done is we've gotten to where it's more important than what we say and then just tag in the name of Jesus on it. Versus the name we're speaking for. Jesus was going to the cross. Let's fast forward. And he was spit on by a legion of soldiers. That was 4,000 men. 4,000 men. Okay? 4,000 men spit on our Savior. He was covered. In, the, in that day and time and even in that region today, the most shameful thing you can do to somebody is to spit on them. That means you dishonor them. It means something. And all of these things were going on. Yet Jesus couldn't be shamed because he, he had done nothing to be shamed for. But he took it for you. Which means if you can really see not just the cross but everything before the cross, that he took the shame so that when you stand before the Lord, you are well pleased. He, he's well pleased with you. You don't have to create an atmosphere. You don't have to be in the right song, the right church, the right place, around the right person. You just accept that he loves you where you are. He loves you enough not to leave you there. And he's given you the, the tools to see great things happen in your life. But you're so stuck in why you can't, you're not seeing that you can. Amen. Uh, the lion couldn't see that he was just laying around in a box. I can't see attacking anybody. I'm too lazy. Until something that was passionate about got touched. So now listen, there is, 
I worked in uh, I worked in an environmental lab for a while, and uh, Sherry Sherry and I worked together, and Sherry can confirm what I'm about to say. We have in our lab, but Jeff, you work there too. You work at Perk. We have in that lab what we call deionized water, and it goes through how many filters? Six? Was it six filters? Four? Five. All I know is they were hard to change. That's all I know. We hated them. So you could take, now you could take that water and fill up a bucket and stand in it and throw an electrical current in that water and it would not electrocute you because it was deionized. All the metals had been taken out. Now, that's Jesus. But you don't want to stand in there too long. Because the longer you stand in there, the more metals in your body go into that water and creates a current from pollution that within just a matter of minutes, you can be electrocuted. Because the mind says, oh, water, it's, it's current. It hits the water, it's going to hit you. No, it's what's in the water, even though you can't see it. And what I'm trying to get to you is to, is to understand that when you become a new creation in Christ, you still have to make sure that you stay in that transforming mindset daily because you begin to pollute your own relationship with Jesus with you. And the healing waters that flow through you can flow through. You, you think that it's just a random thing that the Bible says His mercies are renewed daily? Because every day you need to go through that cleansing process. Every day you need to get some things fixed. Every day you need to wake up and go, I know I'm a little better than yesterday, but I want to keep going. Y'all, there is no place where, wee-wee, and it's just better. It does not exist. I'm Pentecostal to the bone, and I've hit the floor. I've, had, I've been slathered up. I still got up and had issues, had problems. We had the show, praise the Lord. I was a little better. First of all, we don't teach what that is enough. We, we don't teach the Holy Spirit enough for people to really understand what those things are. Secondly, when you become indoctrinated or, or, or have learned behaviors that if you just go up and get prayed for and go back and you're good, it eliminates you. It puts you in a welfare mindset that somebody's done it for me. And you don't go get into the Word yourself. So what you have to do is this. You have to recognize that if Jesus said you're good enough... If Jesus took your shame, if Jesus washed you and said renew your mind daily, you kind of probably need to renew your mind daily. If Jesus went into the wilderness and had to keep his mouth shut even though he knew he was Jesus, maybe sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut. If Jesus had to respond with the Bible, then maybe you kind of need to know it to respond with the Bible. Right? So here's the thing. We see now that if Jesus took our shame and he took all of those things... This is the most important thing that I want you to understand. Adam. Let's go all the way back to the garden. Now I have a whole teaching on Adam a lot of people disagree with. And that's okay. You can disagree with me. I just happen to have the microphone. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to go into it today, but, you know. But the story of Adam to me is interesting because the way Genesis lays it out, it's like it happened you know, God did all this stuff, and, 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 then, and then here's Adam, and then there's Eve, and Eve's, Eve listened to the serpent, and, and Adam, and boom, boom, it's over. This happened over time. This just didn't happen in one day. So if you'll understand, when you read in Genesis 3 and 8, and we're not going to go there, well, don't worry about it, but in Genesis 3 and 8, it's after the fall, where it talks about, in the cool of the day, God was walking. 
Well, you have to understand what inference means. And you have to understand that that is a reference that that had happened before. And when you do some research, you see that it was normal for Adam and Eve to walk with God and to see Him and to talk with Him. It was normal for them to just hang, oh, God's here, let's go talk to Him. But pay attention. You got, now I want you to go read it. I'm not putting it up there for a reason. I want you to go read it. When you get into Genesis 3, it says that Eve listened to the serpent. She fell. Adam went after her. I don't have time to teach my message on that. But then this happened. Then this happened. Listen. Adam and Eve heard they could no longer see. Sin takes your eyesight. They couldn't see him, but they could hear him. So then what happened is they progressively stopped all the things that they had with God. First they couldn't see. Then eventually uh, God with his own tears and with his own hands made clothes to cover them. All they could see was their own shame. They couldn't see, they couldn't see God. Why, do, you, do you think it's something, it's just random thought that Jesus had to get spit on to take your shame? Because it was shame that opened up the fact that they couldn't see. See, when you're full of shame, you can't see God. Are y'all with me? When you're full of shame, all you see is what hurts you or why you hurt. When you're full of shame, you keep reminding yourself of why you can't. When you're full of shame, you don't think that you're even good enough. Y'all, if it was just you, Jesus would have died. If it was just you. And when they, when they started seeing themselves naked, first of all, they were already naked. Do y'all think all of a sudden they just recognized they were naked? They saw it with different eyesight. They saw it with the eyes of shame. Of something's not right about this. See, that's how the human mind works. The human mind will justify through religion something not right about this. And God's trying to pull you to a whole other level. So look at the progression. So Adam and Eve are over here, and they have everything, and they begin to lose their sight, and they begin to lose their hearing, and they begin to lose everything all through shame. And they had to work with their hands, and they had to do everything, and they had to, to earn, and they had to work through rocks and to grow food and do all the things. Before, they still had to work the garden, but they didn't have to work like this. And then all of a sudden, all these thousands of years later, we get over here to Jesus. And the first thing that begins to happen is what? God says, this is my son in what? Who I'm well pleased. How did they do? They, they didn't see God. They heard. Things are starting to come back. You see it? In, in music theory, there is what is called a crescendo. And a de, where's, where's Kaylee? What, a decrescendo? Crescendo, decrescendo. Crescendo gets louder. Decrescendo gets shorter. Over here, or gets, gets lower. Over here is what we call the decrescendo. They had everything, and they got smaller. Over here, when Jesus comes, it's the crescendo. All of a sudden, something happens, and everything starts to get bigger again. Jesus came to be the last Adam. Adam was the first Jesus. I don't have time to teach that. But the point is, he gave you back the ability to hear and eventually begin to see. Now, that is your walk you have to figure out. If you really learn, you can see God in everything. If you really know who he is, you can see him in the eyes of your children. If you really know who God is, you start to see every little thing in your life as a miracle. And you also begin to see the things you need to clear out, praise the Lord. But the problem is, if Satan, now listen, I'm fixing to narrow all this down right here and then we're going home. If, if Satan can keep you in shame 
then he can keep you from well-pleased. Because it was shame that broke well-pleased to begin with. Because he, listen, he created Adam and he said what? It is good. Won't you just do a little research? It's almost the same terminology of I'm well-pleased. So he did all of this just to get you back to the place where he could say, I'm well pleased with you. Well, uh, Lord, you don't know what I did yesterday. Let's deal with this last thing. Praise team, get ready. Let's deal with this last thing, and then we're going to go home. Shame has stopped you from expecting the best because you don't feel like you can have the best because you can't see the best and you're barely even hearing the best. And when somebody tries to preach to you the best, the first thing you do is say, no, I don't know about that preacher. It always amazes me that when I'm preaching messages or teaching classes, somebody always has, and all I'm doing is trying to encourage people into another level and they want to argue facts with me when the, the Bible clearly plays it out. But here's, let me give you this real quick story. Most of y'all know who Pastor Tracy Harris is. That's my pastor, Pastor Tracy Harris. Now, Pastor Tracy was at, at uh, uh, Canaan Land. And he was sitting down at a table with a guy. And they were having lunch. And it was after a few classes. And he said to Pastor Tracy, Now, if you've ever heard Pastor Tracy preach, you know he knows his Bible. Amen, my Lord. You can't even take notes he moves so fast. You just have to get the CD later. And that's the truth. And, and, and he's sitting there. And he's talking to this guy. And the guy says, You know, some things you said in class... Some things you said in class I disagree with. Now, Pastor Tracy was trying to encourage him into operating on a whole nother level of faith, getting him to where he understood he could be free from his drug addiction. But because he had told himself he couldn't, he had convinced himself that he was even biblically correct. And he started laying out scriptures to Pastor Tracy on how he's supposed to be a drug addict. And then, if you, like I said, you got to know Pastor Tracy. It took him all of about five seconds to tear him to shreds and put him back together. And say, this is what God wants for you. So this guy just leans back. Now listen to the shame. This guy leans back. Now you just had a man of God take time and tell you how valuable you were and give you a road map on how to be free. And he leans back and he goes, I don't know about that. You might be right. He wanted to hang on to his shame because he was comfortable with it. People like to hang on to their pain and their fear because that's all they know. People won't come to the altar because they're afraid somebody's going to know something about them. And we live in a day and time to where if we just begin to see, we are the most, listen to me, y'all, we are the most connected and disconnected generation at the exact same time. We are connected worldwide. But you can't get nobody to look at you in the eyes. They showed, uh, now this is, I, I don't know where you fall in the political spectrum, but I, I like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I vote for character, and I certainly don't vote for certain parties that do certain things that are against the word. But here's the deal. Both sides of this aisle, there's a YouTube video that I was watching. I, I got just a laughing out loud about it, literally just in tears, because they're having these major debates about our life, and it's showing people. I, I mean, Senator John McCain, before he passed away, was one of them. Now, he was, he was in his 70s. They're playing poker, and they're playing video games on their phone and their iPad. They're, they're playing Bejeweled. They're, they're playing Words with Friends. They're playing games in the Senate while they're debating a bit. Now, we are the most connected and disconnected. Walk through Walmart. 
Nobody can look you in the eyes because they're right here. They're right there. Satan has effectually stopped, it, stopped us from being connected to anything. And by doing that, it's like the lion in the box. We have no desire to pursue. We have no desire to go after things of God. April was talking in the team meeting today, and that's the, her only desire for our team is that, that, that's what, that they get hungry for the things of God. Well, where do you start with that? You start with, God says, I'm well pleased. If you are saved in this room, you are covered in the blood of Jesus, which means when God looks at you, he sees the blood of his son and he sees, I'm well pleased. Well, you don't know what I did. You're right, I don't, and God does, but he still says, I'm well pleased. Amen. Stand your feet with me. Just stand your feet, man. I want to make sure we, we get this out. Just bow your heads where you are. Juan, you can go ahead and just dim those lights. I want everybody to be comfortable. They're going to they're gonna go back into that We Cry Holy in just a few minutes. But before they do that, the most important question, I, I've taken a lot of time. I've even deviated from the message I wanted to preach today because I felt so strongly to deal with this shame issue. And I want to make sure that we make you aware that everybody in this room from the pulpit to the soundboard has issues. Everybody in this room has pain. Everybody in this room has had something in their life to be ashamed of. Everybody in this room. Nobody is better than anybody else. However, if you've accepted Jesus, He took your shame. And if you haven't, now is your opportunity. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I just want every, I praise, everybody's got their heads down, even the praise team. Nobody's, we're not here to embarrass anybody. And I promise you, nobody's going to pull you out or single you out. But if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Allen, I just need Jesus. All I'm asking you to do is when I count to three, just raise your hand and put it back down so we know who we're praying for. That's all. And it'll just be me. We'll all pray together. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need my shame broken. I need my pain broken. I need all this taken. It's your moment. It's your time. One, two, three. All across the place. Any hands? Any hands at all? Hands are going up. Put them right back down. Yep, put them right back down. Yeah, amen. People are getting saved today, church. All right, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want uh, those of you who raised your hand, I want you to say this out loud with me, and the whole church is going to say it with you because you're not alone anymore. I want the whole church gathering big and strong. Say this with me. Say, Father... I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. I accept the free gift of salvation. I accept that Jesus died for me. I accept that Jesus took my shame. And I am free. And God is well pleased in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. People got saved today, church. People got saved. All right, real quick.